The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This podcast and are for the purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. Broadcasting to the world from inside her closet and high above the streets of Toronto, this is Eat This with Leanne. Here's your host, registered nutritionist, Leanne Phillipson. The mark of a new year is to reset and make resolutions, right? At the start of this year, 2022, I introduced a shift from resolutions to be intentional. And over the past six weeks, six podcast episodes and six radio shows, I've taken you through some new ideas and concepts that I'm focusing on and that I, as I go through all of this with my own health journey, I thought, well, let's share some of the things with you that I'm doing for myself. Also give some context that we are all in this together. It's not like I've got everything figured out, not at all, but I'm taking you along for the ride as I learn new things. For my DNA testing, for instance, I'm going to share those results in an upcoming episode with the hopes that the other ways of coming at health helps you to think outside the norm of what's offered in your doctor's office and what you find on the internet. There are rabbit holes after rabbit holes to dive deep into, and I do believe that one of my gifts is to be able to drill down on these larger concepts that you may not be so familiar with and take it down to these bite-sized ideas. I like to cut to the chase a lot faster and say, here are the top things that you need to know. And then more importantly, how on earth do you move forward with that? Now that's what I've done for over 23 years as a registered nutritionist and what I really try and bring to this podcast and radio show every single week. So today on Eat This with Leanne, a roundup of the past six episodes, the highlights, so that you can either be reminded of what we talked about in the past, or if this is your first listen, hear what you might want to go back to and do a deeper dive into with your notebook right next to you as we round up the six-part Be Intentional series. Not a new concept to eat this with Leanne. DNA testing is something that we've talked about a few times. We've have talked about it, I think, with with Natalie, where she went into it a little bit, Chris, and then also with Dr. B. We came we came on to that. So this is not completely new. And in the discussion with Kashif Khan, the founder and CEO of the DNA company, it was particularly interesting because I felt like they he explained a lot more about the results and how it really impacts us. Did you find that too, Chris? Yeah, absolutely. He was very candid about it and shared some really interesting stories. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was absolutely amazing. As he talked about his niece and her mental health struggles, well, that totally piqued my interest with everything that's been going on with my daughter and validated my thinking that my daughter's struggles that she talked about in episode 104 could show up in a DNA test and we could end up on a completely different and more successful trajectory in her care. Here's what Kashif shared. You want stories? We could. I got to ask you, how long can we go on for this? We'll, on for this. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be laughing. You'll be crying. It just it will go a roller coaster the rest of the day. Oh, wow. So my niece mm-hmm. is now 14. 
Mm-hmm. I did her DNA when she was about 11. She was one of the first because, you know, when we were testing, we needed people yeah. to get the system. Uh, anyway, so last year at this around, actually exact this time, like November of last year, my mom called me. So my mom, my sister, and my niece lived together. Okay. Right. So, and they're in an apartment in uh, Mississauga. So my mom called me, said that you're, she can't breathe. Like she's like, she's suffocating. There's something going on. Maybe it's asthma. It's looked like what I've heard an anxiety attack looks like. Right. Right. So Panic I called attack. a pediatrician friend. And I, I said, what does it sound like? He said, yeah, that's definitely an anxiety attack. It's probably like bullying at school, cyber or something. You know, you got to figure it out. So I talked to her about it. I thought at the time that it had to do with like social pressures because of what was going on with her uh, love of Korean K-pop and what friends were like, just the, the pressure of like trying to learn Korean and be part of that cool group. Right. right? That's literally what okay. I actually thought happened based on what was like after talking to her. So then she was fine. The pediatrician friend said, if it happens again, let me know. So my mom called me again a little later and it happened again. But this time my niece fell because she collapsed. She actually hurt herself on the way down and she couldn't walk. So my mom said, I think you need to take her to the, uh, some, like a walk-in somewhere. So I did. And I called again, my pediatrician friend and said, I don't want to sit there for 10 hours. Is there somewhere I can go? He said, yeah, go to this hospital. So instead of 10 hours, it was eight hours. So nice. I went there. <laughs> so I was there for eight hours. They scanned her leg. They said there's no fracture or anything. They asked a bunch of questions. She was also complaining to me during that time that she was depressed. She was trying to figure out what was going on. Why was she having these attacks? She said, well, maybe it's my depression. I said, why did you tell me about that last? Well, it's, it's embarrassing, right? So she said, I didn't want to say Bless anything. Her. End of the eight hours, the comment was, if it happens again, let us know. And in that, I knew what that meant. That one meant if it happens again, we're going to figure out what pill to give her because they have no clue what's going on. So I started thinking about the depression stuff that she was saying. And I thought about, you know, the dopamine and myself. Uh, I didn't do much about it at the time. I said to my mom, let's just monitor it. If she hides in her room or something goes on that she's not, tell me. So uh, about a month later, my mom texts me, your niece has ran away from home. Oh. Yeah. And I said, this, that makes no sense. She's the most innocent, sweet girl. She won't go anywhere by herself. So I go over there. And literally, she's standing like outside of the apartment in the park because that for her, that's running away. She was, I was like, what okay. was your plan? What were you going to do here? She said, well, I was thinking about going to the gas station and making a phone call. I said, to who? But it's like something she was replaying from like a movie in her head. She didn't even know what running away meant. Yeah. So then I put her in the car, drove around to figure out what was going on. And then it clicked. I saw my mom's text and I looked back to see was her last text like about a month ago. And it was. It was the last call about a month before that. And it was, I realized this is her menstrual cycle, mm-hmm. right? So I asked my mom, was, can you tell me at the time that this happened, what was going on with her menstrual cycle? And she said it was just starting each time. Now keep in mind that she, this wasn't when her menstrual cycle started. She'd been having it for about a year already. So right. why then? Difference was, this was the first year where she was homeschooled and wasn't going outside because of COVID. Right. So she was getting zero vitamin D. So this thing that was happening where she already, so I looked at her genetics at that point, which I should have done earlier, slapped myself stupid, right? Uh, And what I saw was hormonally, she was already extremely uh, low on estrogens, right? She was androgen dominant, sort of fit, easy to put on muscle, but very low estrogen. And that the, the beginning of your cycle is that lowest point. Right. And so she was even more low. So nothing happened before because every, every other system was firing properly. Right. Now, because she's homeschooled in the winter, there was zero vitamin D. Of the 22,000 genes in your body, 2,000 require vitamin D to function. 
Right. So literally 10% of your biochemistry is dependent on vitamin D. Mm-hmm. Because my ancestry is sort of equatorial, we already don't deal with vitamin D so well because we were yep. overexposed. So we yep. already genetically mitigate that. Yep. So she was ultra low. And that triggered, again, that hormonal chaos. Like me, she has slim to none dopamine receptors. So she was already teetering. And that hormonal thing was already causing a minor issue every month. Mm-hmm. So that combination dumped her into this depressed and plus anxiety state on a monthly basis. So what do we do? I put her on L-theanine to boost the dopamine levels, right? We uh, dealt with the vitamin D where, again, with vitamin D, it's not just how much is in the blood. There's three steps genetically to vitamin D. There's get it from the sun or the food and put it into your blood. That's step right. one. That's where science kind of ends at the medical level. Mm-hmm. And you test your blood, do you have enough or do you not have enough? Well, it doesn't end there. You have to transport it from the blood to the cell where it's actually used. That's a completely separate gene. You then have to bind it at the cell where it's actually used. That's a completely separate gene. And she was suboptimal all the way through. So even if I gave her the regular Canadian dose, it wouldn't do anything for her. So we put her on 10,000 IU, but we split it because she didn't transport so well. We knew if I gave her 10,000, 7,000 wouldn't even get used. At that time, when we did that sort of intervention, since that day, she has not had this problem. Wow. Wow. So cool, man. That's incredible. And how many young women complain about this stuff? Right? Yes. Anxiety, depression, it, it beca- it's rooted in hormone imbalances. And they're at a time in their life where they're just being introduced to that. And again, Canadian winter is already bad enough. And now you're indoors and you know yeah. so all this stuff compounds. Uh, and the, the pressures that they have, we didn't have. You know, the, the social media pressures, the, the way that their dopamine is being manipulated through flipping through Instagram and TikTok and all that stuff. It's a very different reality. To talk to the more emotional and spiritual I don't know, just kind of like not so scientific aspect of how to be intentional with your thoughts and pretty much about everything. Episode 102, we spoke with intuitive coach Carolyn Munded. Now, she's the person who supported me through one of the most stressful times in my life over the past couple of years and has helped me grow than I just way more than I ever thought possible. I'm grateful to how she lovingly kicks my butt (laughs) with like real perspectives that make sense. You know, Chris, when you hear something and you're like, damn, that makes so much sense that you just can't go back. You can't unhear it and you can't unlearn it. Those people are extremely important in all of our lives. If you got somebody out there that will tell you the truth and not sugarcoat it, not beat around the bush, uh, none of those you know, none of those cliches. They just get right to it and say, listen, here's the yep. problem. Or have yep. you considered this? Yeah. Right. As we often get caught up in our own little lives, we get blinded to, to the truth. And I think we just get bogged down in the details. Like you just almost need to have like an outer body experience or maybe an out of mind experience <laughs> where you just sort of like take your head off for a minute. And just, you know, step back and exhale and then kind of come back at it, refresh with a different perspective. And that with training and with coaching, as I've done, I do that so much better now than I ever did. I observe what my mind is constantly thinking about. It's like that ticker tape that you see you know, flying along all the time in Times Square in New York. And those kind of thoughts often are just not serving us. And 
frankly, they're just getting in our way. Now, I know that I see it in myself and others, but the only person that I need to focus on is me. And then that unto itself has a ripple effect like stone thrown in water and impacts others. Now, here's one of my favorite parts of the episode. You know, somebody would say that this is big, but to me, this is small. The feeling of unworthiness. When we Mm -hmm. feel unworthy, we pick the wrong partners. When we don't feel worthy of good relationships or a good lifestyle, or we like to look at other people and think that their side of the, you know, their grass is greener, it's because we don't see our own potential. And no one can give you that but yourself. And it seems big, but it actually is small because all I want you to do is turn the focus outward, inward. And what I mean by that is you are your biggest prize. You are your biggest possession. You are the most important thing in your life. Yet we don't treat ourselves like that. We're downright nasty to ourselves, comparing ourselves, judging ourselves, feeling like other people have it better than us. The truth is Mm -hmm. no. And everybody thinks the way that you do. But rather than having those thoughts, I'm telling you, change your thoughts, be mindful before you go there and go down the rabbit hole of judgment and comparison. Say, no, I'm going to do something good for myself right now. I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to make a nice salad or I'm going to listen to something empowering like a good podcast. I eat this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go watch a good video or something to make me laugh rather than sit there and and the, the victimhood just do something good. What makes mm-hmm. you feel good? And it's a question we never ask ourselves. What do I need in this moment? We don't take care of ourselves in that way. What do I need? I need sleep. I need some exercise. I need to have a balanced meal. Because I myself also need to hear this over <laughs> and over and over again. Because in any given moment, asking myself, what do I right now feels or seems to be a really cult question. You know, how's my daughter doing? Or what does it need? Or what does someone else need? Why am I putting myself first? Why would I choose, you know, if I think about parents, so many thousands of parents that I've, you know, counseled and dealt with and, and tried to support where they say, so what does everybody want for dinner? And then you end up making what they want and you're trying to constantly please everybody else and never really do I sit back and go, you know what? I really fancy this for dinner. So I'm going to make this and everyone else, well, either eat it or have something else. And of course that will depend on the age of your children. Mine are 16 and 18. So you know, if they don't like what I'm making, they can certainly, they have the capabilities to go and get themselves something. I actually need to be the one to let that go. And that's not easy. It's a big pattern for me to show love with food. A lot of people think that, well, it's selfish and I have to think about others. And I'm thinking, no, remember you're creating a pattern. Remember you're the example. So if you're not putting yourself first, if you're not being kind to yourself, if you're not doing the best for you, the example you're giving your children is that they're not important. You think you're giving them the example that they are really important, but they're going to mimic you as adults. And what they're going to mimic is my needs are not as important as my family needs. And then we create the cycle all over again for the next generation. Be the example. When you're doing something, explain to your kids why you're doing it. Mommy is doing, you know, I say this to my kids all the time. Then now they make fun of me um, with each other. Mommy is a person. (laughs) 
because <laughs> I would say to them, I would say to them, I'm a person too. And I have likes and dislikes and things that I want to do. So it's not just about you guys. And so now they're like, yeah, Benny, mommy's a person. <laughs> so, <laughs> I am showing them how to take care of themselves. Is that who I am 24 hours a day? Of course not. But I do tell them I'm going to take this class because I, I want to do it. And they're so encouraging about it. And we need to be that way with each other. I'm giving them a different example that the world isn't against them. I'm never saying those kinds of words. I'm showing them that if I don't like something, I have the power to change it. So how am I going to change it? Not whatever anybody else is doing. What am I going to do to feel better in this moment? That's what we want to give our children. We don't want to create the same pattern our parents gave to us or the same example. We want to show them like, this is a really healthy meal choice that I'm making for myself. I hope you enjoy it. But if you don't, your cereal or whatever else, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but you have to show them so they don't fall for the example of martyrdom or victimhood. Um, we're showing them that. You're going out of your way to do everything for your family and putting yourself last. That's someone else's fault. That's your fault. And you have to take responsibility for it. No one's asking you to do that. You're doing that. And then what yeah. you're doing after you've done it and nobody appreciates is then you blame everybody else. So now everybody else feels like they have to pick up the pieces and they don't even know where to start because they didn't create the mess to begin with. That's all you. That's taking responsibility. Where am I not meeting myself? Where am I not seeing myself? Where am I not loving myself? It doesn't belong to anyone else. Ah, Dr. Brockenshire, he's back, a listener and a favorite who never fails to disappoint on sharing concepts that blow us away. Right, Chris? Like, holy smokes. The information, I've got to transcribe it because I was asked by someone for the Coles notes of what would Dr. B suggest to tick off or to ask for extra for your blood tests, because the way that he was talking about the interactions and looking at more than just one reference range and how does that how does that tie into this and the different markers? Yeah, uh, he says it best. So I'm just going to let him share one of my favorite parts of what he talked about that I really think blew so many of your minds. So when we get into the white blood cells, I'm sure people have looked at their blood tests before and they see these things. They're like, well, what's all this whole page about things called neutrophils and lymphocytes and basophils? Like, what's all this got to do with anything? Oh, it's all normal, honey. Don't worry about it. You're fine. Yeah. Until somebody like me looks at it and says, well, you've got elevated eosinophils and they're 300 times out the range. That means you have severe allergies. But I was tested for food allergies. Well, it may not be food. You might be that cat you're living with. Mm -hmm. So eosinophils are a good measurement for allergies. The other one I see a lot that gets missed are called the monocytes, which are white blood cells. If the monocytes are high, you should be suspicious of some kind of parasitic infection. Mm. Again, my doctor says I'm normal. Well, normal in that world. But if you look at this, hey, were you in Tanzania recently? No, I was in Costa Rica. Oh, my goodness. You could have a parasite. And maybe that didn't show up in a stool test. Or maybe you had, you know, you had diarrhea while you were there and you're back and you think, oh, no, I'm fine. Except parasites like to live for a long time. Yeah, up to 50 years, you could have one and not even know it. Right? Isn't that crazy? It's like some people I know, but that's another story. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say I was married to a parasite for about eight years. That, yeah. would, that, that wouldn't be fair. 
<laughs> There's some court documents involved. In <laughs> Speaking of which, interesting segue, Chris. Thanks. <laughs> Here we go. Sorry. <laughs> Off the track we go. Wee. Oh, I needed that. That's great. Uh, when we look at fertility and we look at pregnancy, you know, that's a very stressful time in a person's life. And there's a lot of blood being drawn regularly. One of the reasons you have a lot of blood drawn regularly when you're pregnant is to really watch for anemia. Mm-hmm. Because... If mom's blood count starts dropping and you don't get ahead of it, the IQ of the baby can suffer. I treat enough pregnant women and, you know, Leanne, you and I have been through this as parents. When you're pregnant, you really don't want to screw it up. No. So it's really important to pay attention to anemia. That's like the number one thing to look for. Get your B12 measured, get your folate measured. And there's another marker with respect to this called ferritin, which in my opinion should be on everybody's regular blood screen. Ferritin is your storage iron. So that's the iron that your body pulls from if you need some right away. And a lot of kids today have low ferritin because of things like leaky gut, food allergies, vitamin deficiencies like b6 12 and folate they don't get enough green foods in their diet and the main symptom of low ferritin is anxiety i remember you telling me to have that checked and i specifically had to ask and it was low for my daughter and it was crazy low the other great mimicker of hypothyroid disease or hashimoto's Mm-hmm. is low ferritin. So if That's you've been huge. diagnosed with Hashimoto's or you're on thyroid medication or you have high cholesterol or you have high blood pressure, you might want to check your ferritin because that's kind of the canary in the coal mine for a lot of issues. So hopefully right there, people are going, I got to get some blood work done. And, and ask for the ferritin. Ask for you ferritin. You have to ask for the ferritin to be added to that. Correct. And on the other side, if ferritin's really high, that's an early warning sign for cancer. Why wouldn't we want to order it? it? You know, it doesn't cost much to add it to the tests. And it's a great nutritional trigger, uh, particularly for kids, because if you can get that ferritin up north of, say, 30, you see a lot more mood stabilization. A lot of other symptoms will start to go away. And how do you correct that? How do you correct the ferritin? The you got to, well, the only way to build ferritin is to take an iron molecule and assemble it with B6, 12, and folate. The other missing link there is magnesium. Ta-da! Yep. There's our magnesium. You knew we'd get here, Chris. Yeah. I'm taking my magnesium. I hate it. I'm not a pill guy, but uh, I take it every day. Seriously. We should measure his red blood cell magnesium levels then. Nobody's measuring nothing on me. Forget it. (laughs) I'll bring the tools, Leanne. You hold them down. Okay. Awesome. Now, up next, then I had my most favorite guest. Yes, I'm totally biased because I'm her mom. I'm her mom. Oh, okay. I was going to say, see, Dr. Brockenshire wouldn't like you saying that. Well, I think he'd be okay. He'd be okay with this one. And in episode 104, my daughter Hadley, she's so incredibly brave and finds purpose just a little bit because she's getting, you know, she's trying this out in sharing her mental health and her experience with mental illness. Now, I learned in this episode, I didn't even know this, that she's been made fun of at school after her last hospital admission. 
I tell you, Chris, I know that, you know, you and I kind of looked at each other in the Zoom screen. My mama bear was triggered Mm. big time right there as soon as I heard heard her talk about that. And I thought, oh, my God, how dare he? But I know, I know, and I've learned, so to circle back to what Carolyn has taught me, that this is Hadley's journey and this is Hadley's experience. So in those situations, I stand down. Because she's tough as nails, she's brave as hell, and I and I just know that she can navigate this, even if it's difficult in the moment. I couldn't be more proud of her and how she shared our, her story in episode 104 with us. Well, mental health, I think that it's gotten a reputation of being negative or being a bad thing, mm-hmm. just like not feeling good Yeah, goes along with mental health, whereas mental illness is just kind of lower down on that scale, just like more sad and more depressed. I think a lot of people are afraid to speak up about their mental health or their mental illness. And why? Why might that be, in your opinion? Um, For me, sometimes it can be because I don't want to draw a lot of attention to it. I don't want to make a big deal out of it. And for other people, I don't want to speak for anyone, but sometimes it can be because you're worried about being judged or being treated differently. Hmm. like people saying oh you're you're sick in the head or something like that have you experienced anything like that yeah I have have. yeah I didn't know that what happened um I was in um chemistry class I was doing a lab and it wasn't a big deal so like I didn't mention it but um there's this guy that (laughs) comes into our class for no reason he's just another grade 11 and somehow it came up where I said I missed a bunch I missed some school or I was in the hospital and then he asked Uh, what were you like why were you there I was debating I didn't know if I should be open because I don't really know him that well and it's really personal to me but then I decided yeah why not I mean it's not a bad thing so I said I was there for mental health reasons and um he kind of made a joke about it and he kind of said oh so you're like sick in the head and I was like if that's how you want to word it then sure but no and how did that make you feel I don't know like not great yeah not very I don't know, validating or whatever, just thinking like, oh, you're crazy or I don't know. That stigma. Yeah. I hope I hope you felt sorry for him for being uneducated because that's really the issue. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't pity myself for it. I was just like, well, I know that you're just not very smart. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, well done. Can you share with our with me and Chris and our loyal listeners, what depression and anxiety, which you've been diagnosed with both, um, feels like to you, your own experience of it? Because I think everybody has a similar theme, but just want to talk about what your experience. So maybe you can start with your depression. Um, It kind of just feels like something that's just weighing on you every day with everything that you do. And even decisions that you make that it would seem they'd seem very simple or like depression really wouldn't have an action on it. For instance, brushing your teeth. That can be, um, if you look at it, it's a form of self-care. Yes. And having depression, it can make you not want to do things to care for yourself because sometimes you just don't have the motivation and sometimes you just feel that you're not worthy of it or that you don't deserve it. So you can think one morning like, oh, I'm going to get out of bed. I'm going to go brush my teeth. And then depression can kind of come in and be like, mm, how about we just stay in bed? There's really no reason to get out of bed and brushing your teeth. Well, what's, what's the point really? Like it doesn't really matter. Or even having a shower, getting dressed, doing laundry, making your bed. 
there's a term, I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, it's more thrown around on social media. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, um, a depression room or my depression bedroom, which is basically just a room that's really messy and has like clothes everywhere and stuff like that. People kind of use it wherever but not really knowing the meaning of it because yeah. my room definitely gets very messy because I just don't have the motivation to put my clothes away it's just hard to do things for yourself one of the most popular ways to be intentional is to hit the new hit the gym in the new year right it's like okay I'm gonna go I'm off episode 105 we talked in a dynamic discussion with personal trainer Samantha Montpetit twin and I loved how she shared the best kinds of exercise for you to do depending on your age because what I could do when I was 20 or even 30s and 40s where I used to go running three or four times a week like I'm 50 year 50 years old I'm perimenopausal and then you know things definitely change up there. So I, uh, I've surprised myself with getting into yoga compared to what I used to do. But from what Sam said, it actually is a really good thing given my age. For those of you who are listening to us who are in Canada right now, when it's minus, feels like minus Whatever. 500. Yeah. It's hard to do that get up and go. So you almost have to act like Dorothy and click your heels, go into action first but choose that thing that you know is going to make you feel good. Don't choose something because somebody on Instagram told you or right. you saw it somewhere, you know, on TV and that, oh, they said that that is good for you. Well, right. what if you even hate the thought of it, yeah. right? The, what's and the so, energy that you're bringing to whatever it is that you're going to do? Whereas I can hit my yoga mat every morning with mm -hmm. success because I know how long it takes me to do it. I know how I feel in the end. And that's what I focus yes. on as I get to the mat. And that's what Adrian says. You're here. You're on the mat. You've done, you've done the hardest part. Yes. The starting is always the hardest part. Yeah. Always, 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 always. And so when, when you're thinking about, and again, I guess I'm thinking about my age right now, like one of the biggest fears is injury, right? So also don't choose something that, you know, there's a potential for injury. I Not was walking idea. my dogs yesterday. I could barely walk them. And yeah. there's somebody across the street, but she looked like she's about 25, just bopping along, running. And I was like, how are you doing that? <laughs> and not yeah, on your the, butt. <laughs> well, but the reality is, is if she's 25 and falls, it's a big difference when somebody who's 50 who falls. Right? Right. right. So, yeah. you, gotta you know, take that into account. Sure. Exactly. Exactly. So like I said, I'm not saying don't do anything if you don't feel like it, because a lot of us don't feel like it, especially in February when people are just done with winter. I mean, movement is so important for so many reasons. And so, but what you don't want to do is wait to be motivated. I talked to two clients yesterday. It's like, I'm just not feeling motivated. I'm like, well, you know what I say about motivation. Motivation is never there when you need it right. because you don't need motivation while you're, when you're already doing it. Yeah. You need motivation when you don't feel like doing it, but then you don't feel motivated. You know what I mean? So action yeah. always supersedes motivation, but really it should be something that you know you have a history of something that you enjoy or maybe right. something that you're really interested in, but not because somebody told you you have to. If we're advising people on maybe what to do, is there like an age, like you talked about this 25-year-old, you know, she's out there bopping along on the road. I, in my lifetime, have run... Um, you know, for a time we would box. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of things, you know, last year when we could for a little while, I was totally into rowing. Um, yeah. and, and now I'm like, yeah, I don't know that I really feel like any of that. So is there like, is there a way to maximize the fitness depending on your age, like an, in a decade type situation? Do you ever talk about that? And like, what's really important 
depending well, on your, your age? I mean, I really feel like when you're 20, you know, that's when like, you know, how many people who are our age, me and you, like we always like, oh, I still feel, feel like I'm 20 in my brain, right? So we know that's when we felt our most vibrant. We had the most energy. That's why we could like go to the clubs and go to sleep at 2 a.m. and get up at, you know, four hours yep. later and go to work. Like yep. our bodies were able to do that, right? Yeah. So the thing is, though, is how do we convince ourselves that this is probably the best time to really establish a good routine when it comes to your fitness. Okay. Right. So a good combination of cardio strength, try all the things. Um, there's all kinds of things right now. Boxing. You don't see very many young people doing aquafit, but aquafit's hard, man. <laughs> like that stuff is hard, especially when you're in the deep end and you actually have to keep yourself from drowning for 30 minutes. Like that shiz is hard. Try CrossFit, like try all of that stuff, right? Like the world is your oyster. Find what you like and what you don't like. I mean, really balance is key, regardless of how old you are. And I, I don't know if you, oh, you probably already touched on this. So the February is heart health month. On radio, oh, okay. but, but not on the podcast. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, you know, we have to remember our heart is also a muscle. So all of these things are really, really important. Developing a routine yeah. for life, because then once you hit 30, I think on average, that's when most people are getting married. They're starting, you know, to have children and all this other stuff. So then, of course, all of that gets in our way. Right. of ourselves, of making ourselves a priority, right? When in, in our 20s, <laughs> let's also be realistic. We're very selfish, very selfish time in our lives in our 20s. It's all about right. us, 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 me, me, me. So why don't you take that for granted and really establish a routine? Because once you do get married, have children, it's easier to have them become a part of your routine as opposed to, okay, I've got children now and, and you know, I'm married or all these things. And now I'm going to start an exercise routine. Not to say it's impossible, but it certainly does make it more challenging. And last but not least, in episode 106, how to be intentional with your time. With all the things that we talked about, <laughs> we got to have time to do this. And I have been struggling of late, not feeling like I have enough time. So I turned to Claire Kumar, productivity coach, and she went through her eight productivity table stakes. And I love how she tied how eating was, was interrelated with a few of them were the mindset and that daily check-in on and how dedicated are you to yourself? Sleep, rest, how can you feed your cells? And she talks about how I can't feed a Ferrari with Frito-Lay. I was like, yes, you're here. I got that one. Then movement, the importance of light and the amount of sunlight that we need to stay healthy and to feel good. The extra vitamin D, even you know, if you can't get it from the sunshine, depending on where you live, you can get it from my Take This by Leanne, Sunshine D3 and K2. And then from the light standpoint, the Orion red light and near infrared light that I've been using myself and with my daughter for her healing and mental health. And just a quick reminder to use promo code EATTHIS on Orion RLT, that's O-R-I-O-N-R-L-T.com to get 10% off this incredible light that I know is having an impact. The last few things Claire talked about were the ergonomics, your attention to, your attention management, and how to use your devices and not have the dings going off all the time. And then last but not least was connection. And man, oh man, have we been needing more of that. Attention management, huge. So no notifications and dings on for things you will remember. So I have not yet met a person who says, oh, didn't have a notification, I'd forget to check my email. It's saving my life, right? Like, no. 
right? Not one. But what you do need notifications are for appointments, the commitments you've made to other people and to yourself. Mm-hmm. So a big alarm is to have a bedtime alarm to set you up for that sleep that you need. Right. And the very last one, which has been really under threat in the past two years, is connection. Mm-hmm. We all need daily doses, and I'm getting one right now with you, yeah. of meaningful quality connection. And the first person I've seen to write about this is Dr. Vivek Murthy in his book Together. And Mm -hmm. he says, get 15 minutes a day of quality connection. Don't let it go. We need daily movement. Sanjay Gupta writes out in his book, Keeping Sharp, 64 minutes a day of daily movement is the optimal. So I invite you to look at that eight pot productivity table stakes. And I know it feels like a lot, but once you know your relationship to those things, they become the way Leanne operates. It's your operating system. It's your personal policies. Right. And once you know that, you fiercely protect it and you keep showing up being able to give. So to wrap up all of this with all the suggestions of the things that I believe, some of the things to start off with, to help yourself and to be intentional with your health. I'd like to finish off this series with an invitation and propose a new resolve. Something that I hope has been woven into each one of these episodes, but maybe not called out 100%, and yet it's the most powerful of all. Set your highest intention of loving yourself. Be kind to yourself. Love who you are, all your flaws, your lumps, your bumps, those bits that you see in the mirror that sometimes your mind just just gets upset about. And... The judgment that sometimes we have with this ticker tape that I talked about, yeah, that's where we need to direct our love and our kindness to ourselves first. Now, you, me, Chris, we're all, even all my guests, we're all a work in progress and we know that the work is never done. One thought at a time, one mouthful at a time, to be in each and every moment as it unfolds is such a blessing and yet such a challenge to stay in. So while it's not easy, I know the concept seems simple. Those mindset shifts to more positivity only attract more positive energy in your life, as we talked about with Carolyn again in episode 106. So no no matter what you choose to focus on and set your intentions towards, know that it starts with how you feel about yourself. Better days are ahead, no matter what it is that you're doing. And while we all want to wake up to another tomorrow... Thank your fine self for the incredible person that you are right here, right now. So that's a wrap to this series. I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you've gained from the series. I'm always interested to know. Reach out on social media. You'll find me on Leanne Phillipson and Sprout Right Handles on all the platforms. Send a note through either either of my websites, leannephillipson.com, sproutright.com. Subscribe to this podcast and my weekly newsletter. And there's so much more to come in the episodes future forward. And I know that you're going to love all of them. And as we wrap up this series, I'll say as I always do, please remember to eat this one mouthful at a time.